the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. It's a Saturday. How are you? Uh, usually we record AV Week on a uh, on a Friday, uh, but uh, due to some circumstances that I'll announce at the end of this show, that's called a teaser, folks. Uh, we'll talk about why we are <laughs> recording on Saturday, and probably will be for uh, for a while now. Uh, with us this week is George Tucker. George is the engineering coordinator for World Stage, and at this point, the entirety of my brain. How are you, sir? <laughs> All right. Happy weekend, everybody. Happy weekend. And with us for the first time, first of all, the lovely and talented Miss A.V. Dawn. Dawn Mead from NetAV. How are you, ma'am? Very good, thanks. Hi, everybody. Hello. And to her left, my brother. How are you, sir? His name is Harry Mead, the fabulous CTSD uh, DMCE now, uh, along with me. Yeah, yes, uh, DMCE and, and all lots, of other, lots of other outfits. <laughs> uh, but Harry is Mr. A.V. Don, i.e. Don's uh, lovely husband, and he also is in the A.V. industry uh, from CCS Presentation. N- neither of these people are newbies to this, but we've never had them on together, and there's, there's a reason for that. Uh, uh, we're also <laughs> going to get to the end of the show. But how are you, sir? I am doing great today. Uh, real quickly before, and this is not a commercial, we just like the folks at Vadio. Um, Dawn got to win a fabulous group station, and so that's what they're doing. Uh, they are presenting, uh, being on this very show, uh, the video portion at least, um, uh, with the uh, the Vadio group station that Dawn won. So yay! Yes, thank you, Vadio. We thank love you, it Vadio. very much. Yes. And this is its debut broadcast. Sorry, and the good. audio portion is recorded through the Vadio group station, oh, too. Good. You just don't get to see it. You don't see so. it. Yeah, there is that. Uh, actually, <laughs> hey, the, there it is. That sounded lovely, Harry. Thank that was you. just beautiful. <laughs> Jeez. Now we right. need a team station. No, yes. Now we need something. Kelly, get on that, why don't you? Um, we're going to talk about a couple things this week. First of all, George Tucker wrote a fabulous piece. Uh, which pretty much blasted my blog post out of the water uh, about, <laughs> about Google and Microsoft. And that was the point. That was the I know it was the point. That's, you, you, successfully, <laughs> you successfully did just that. Uh, it's called Our Barbarians at the Gate, and whoever came up with your, with your fabulous image was, should, should deserves a, a, an award because that was a very nice barbarian. That was the fine web editor at uh, Commercial Integrator. All right, it was very good. Also, Sony is number one in something, and we're going to talk about what uh, <laughs> for the first time in whoever. Uh, salvaging um, and, and kind of refreshing projectors and talking about uh, updating things and why projection screens matter. I know that that sounds really, really fun and lovely, uh, but they actually do. It's, it's It really is, you know, talking about at least talking to whether it's your professors or it is your client as to why um, you need a projection screen and why a white drywall just simply won't do. Uh, but first, uh, we're going to talk about hardware and software, which actually is one of the things that, that George was talking about in his in his post. TiVo is laying off a boatload of engineers, so if you are in the knee, in the market for an engineer, you might want to uh, post something. Hey, ex-TiVo guys, they're getting out of the hardware business, which came as kind of a shock um, for those people who are casually familiar with what TiVo is or who TiVo is. First of all, they were the very first uh, successful, I will say, uh, commercially successful uh, DVR. Uh, these are the guys that... Um, created the, the mass market for DVRs. The interface has been widely, widely regarded as one of the best interfaces in the world. Uh, however, here's the thing with, with TiVo. Um, 
TiVo Kleenex themselves. And when I say they Kleenex themselves, that means that they became synonymous with the actual product. Nobody really cared about the fact that it was a TiVo or a Cox uh, uh, Comcast or a uh, Charter Communications DVR. They referred to it as a TiVo. Um, and that they quickly started losing market share, and suddenly, now all of a sudden, they're they're uh, they're going bye bye at least for the hardware. They're, they're making actually a somewhat smart decision um, by going the software route. Uh, so, George, real quickly here uh, before we get started, you know, as we as we're getting started, how big of a deal is this? The fact that TiVo is getting out of hardware, or are they just kind of <clears throat> doing what they need to do and, and going the software route? Well, I, no, gosh, that's sort of both questions are, well, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, th what I mean by that is to the people who are in the industry and who say that services over and content over hardware are the thing, this is not new. This is not shocking. This is inevitable evolution. Uh, there's a, there's a, a apocryphal story about Fred Wilson from uh, uh, Union Square Capital these are guys who invested in Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter early, early on. Uh, with them with Roku saying, why are you bringing me hardware? Don't bring me hardware. And the guy came back to him like four times and finally said, look, I've got a deal to stream it, and I've got a deal for someone else to make the hardware. And he goes, okay, now I'll invest. And he invested a lot of money. If everything stands as is and we don't lose net neutrality in some form, this is the smart decision to go to because, as we say, you know, making hardware is hard and making a profit off of hardware is even harder. Um, so to someone like me who owns several TiVos, I'm sorry to see them go, but the inevitability of putting some little micro computer box in my AV cabinet is probably the way I'll go in the next six months anyway. Yeah, that's valid. Yeah. Uh, Don, when it comes to, you know, either it's, it's you know, getting the, the, the name out there or replacing everything, all the hardware with software and getting it out there, like, like George said, into some sort of little computer box or maybe making a, a deal with, I don't know, let's be crazy here. Let's say that they make a deal with Samsung and they integrate TiVo into Samsung, the next Samsung uh, TV. You think this is the route that they need to go to stay viable? And if it is, will it work? You know, that's a really difficult question because it's it's a product that, you know, people, like you said, it's Kleenex. It's, it's you know, something that people just don't think of. It's a Band-Aid. It's not, you know, Band-Aid brand necessarily, but, you know, we, we've never in our lives owned a TiVo box here at Casa de Mead, but we always say we're TiVoing things with our DVR that came with whoever. I mm -hmm. think at the end of the day, it's something that's just similar to how we have our DVR. It's something that's going to come with your programming. So, you know, Netflix would have their DVR, um, you know, DirecTV and Dish Network, they already have their DVRs. It's something that wherever you get your content from, that's, I think, where, where the actual DVR part of it, the recording part of it's going to be. It's going to be just an add-on service um, from wherever you get your content. And if you're a DIY kind of guy or a geek like us in the industry and you want to cobble together your own little bit of this content, a little bit of that, yeah, there'll be some third-party add-on computer boxes or programs, services that you can add, but I, I don't see it as a model where you're going to have just like one big company or one big product that's used. It's just another service that we all have. And I'm sure Harry will disagree with me. Because he <laughs> well, does. no, and, and Harry, first of all, yeah, <laughs> you, you can either choose to disagree or agree with your wife. How about that? Wrong! The answer is 42, Jack Tremont. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> This wrong. This is what's going to happen. <laughs> the uh, I think as much as I believe it's a mistake, I think it's going to go cloud-based. I think you're right. going to pay for us a, a space to store your program, a la the ultraviolet movies. You don't really own your movies; uh, they're on some cl gotcha. cloud somewhere. Okay, so now you'll have a single place where you can keep all of your movies that you've supposedly bought, as well as all of the TV programs that you've supposedly recorded. Until the cloud goes away, and it's the planet of the apes, and we have to kill everyone. Oh, jeez. Okay, well, no, no, here, here's a question. <laughs> you took that a bit, you know, just a step too far. Maybe not, just tiny. You know, the, the apes was a bit much. Not much, but a bit much. 
you, <laughs> here's a question for you. Missed though. it by that much. That much. Um, so do they? Do they? Get your maybe balls off my HBO, you damn dirty HBO. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to HBO. Um, so let's take this. Let's let's take Harry's you know apocalyptic view of that a little step further. Do they maybe team up with a, with a company like Arrow? Which, if you're not familiar with Arrow, Arrow is a is an IP based. Um, company that will allow you to stream uh, over-the-air HD signals to uh, your tablet or your, your computer or other devices. Uh, right now, they're only in select markets, so don't get too crazy, especially you folks in St. Louis. And the only reason I know that is because I constantly check the site. Uh, but New York has got them, L.A., Houston. Oddly enough, the state of Utah has it. Um, I think the, the reasoning behind Utah was because of, of the mountain ranges, and there are legitimate mm-hmm. reasons for that. Um, but do they maybe team up with somebody like Arrow, Harry, um, and say, you know what, folks, let's let's cloud base the entire sucker, right? Let's cloud base your your antenna to get over the air, and let's cloud base your uh, your TiVo. Yeah, because there's no reason to once you go cloud based for the. Uh, I heard that thought. Once you go cloud based for the. Oh, this is going to be fun. Oh boy! <laughs> Once you go cloud based for the storage, then all you need is somebody to to digitize it and put it into the put it into the cloud. Yeah. And then it doesn't matter what you do with it or or anything else. So if you've got Arrow on the front end delivering content, Arrow will then integrate with Net uh, with uh, I don't know I skipped ahead with yeah. uh, TiVo, who will provide the storage facilities in the recently abandoned NSA buildings, and then... <clears throat> They're not really abandoned, um, by the way. Yeah, there's a phone booth in the corner that you just have to pick up the phone. Uh-huh. Right <laughs> and then and then that's where the data storage is going to be, and then you'll be able to access it from anywhere. Okay, so here's what I'm hearing uh, from from you and, and, and everybody here. Uh, we should all invest in companies like Rackspace and, and, and Amazon and everybody that has... Uh, we love Amazon, by the way. That's where our servers are. Uh, but but that's what I'm hearing is the fact that yeah, that that all these cloud-based um, storage companies are, are really where the money's going to be at, not necessarily in the hardware or even the software. We just got to you know buy a bunch of hard drives, I guess. Once Stay. you go cloud, all things are allowed. Very nice. Very mm-hmm. well done. Uh, all right, <laughs> so let's uh, keep on cooking with some hardware stuff, sort of. Um, Okay, so this is my personal opinion. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of wireless video right now, currently. Uh, I think wireless audio, they've been doing it for <laughs> roughly 30 years, and they've got it mostly right. Um, I heard some interesting <clears throat> things coming out of a, a certain German manufacturer the last couple of weeks that will be very interesting if they if they pull it off, let's just say that way. Uh, but uh, video, not so much. They... They're still not quite there yet, right? So even with with some traditional, uh, oh, let's call say XGA or you know higher resolution computer images, even 1080p, 720p, they're still not quite there yet. Enter wireless UHD 4K, because that makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, can first, you? Can, is it is it so thick you can see the radio? Yes, at this point? And, and you can get gross on your head from from passing through the the, the stream. Um, George, <laughs> yeah, George, George has had George has one. Um, silicon images. I'm radiating it now. Sixty gigahertz wireless <laughs> HD tech. I'm just laughing reading this. I'm sorry. Sixty gigahertz wireless HD technology and includes a transmitter receiver that can sold, that can send full bit accurate video <clears throat> at data rates up to eight gigabits per second. Trust us, we're going to be showing next to Extron at ISC next week. All right, um, <laughs> we'll start with the meads on this. Again. Next, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll start with the meads on this one. And Harry, I'll let you be wrong first. Um, <laughs> first of all, okay, why are they working on wireless 4K? Let's start with that. Um, that's a good question. Can we get one to work first? Can we get a 10, a 720 to work first? Can we get something? Can we, can we get, can we get some? Yeah. Can we get HD? Hell, SD without looking like crap. Yeah. Can we get 
<laughs> can we get a HD something to actually work before we do this <clears throat> magical 4K over the air for approximately four feet? Mm -hmm. And then... <laughs> Is that what it is? It's, it's just to replace a four-foot HDMI cable? Is I, that... <laughs> I don't know, but it just it, it's like, give me something that works first before you start improving it. Ah, okay, yeah. that, that's valid. It, it, it'd be like, we can now do 4K over AVB. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we, well, we, we can't do V Give yet, me the V part first before you do 4K. that, yeah. Uh, Don, why, first of all, why are they doing this or, or is there something that they can, maybe they have something to, to pull a rabbit out of their hat that make it better? No. Why are they doing it? Because it sounds sexy and they can sell crap this way. Yeah. <laughs> it's something people want. They don't want wires. They just want it to magically go. But you know, Harry, Harry's right. I mean, realistically speaking, we don't have, there, there are things that can, that can show wirelessly. Um, <clears throat> and some of them do it. Okay. And some of it do it okay for certain distances. But, you know, between being lucky and just getting demo gear between our two companies, Harry and I have had a chance to try a few things here at the house that were wireless, not even 4K, just regular SD. And I don't even know, was it HD? It was HD, HD as well. It was wireless HDMI. And it couldn't go from our living room to our bedroom. Granted, we have a kind of long house, but it would just constantly lose signal or it would just look like crap. And... You know, we're not that high demand of a user. At least we weren't at the time. We were just testing it. Yeah. If you're going into any kind of mission-critical situation for clients, you don't want to mess around with something that might work maybe kind of. And I know everyone wants wireless because the cost of cable and the hassle of pulling it and everything. We've had a solution for a while. Nobody but the federal government's using it. Run some fiber. Well, I was going to mention that. Yeah, both yeah, of you. Yeah, it handles the bandwidth, the signal, and it's easier to run. It might not be easier to terminate or whatever, but it works. And it, I, it'll work in a mission-critical situation. means I have to redo the house again. Okay, you know what? That's your problem. That's not my problem. Well, I was going to mention, both you guys live in the, in the, in the Maryland, D.C. area. You both work for companies who have a lot of, of government clients. Um, is that something where, it, where the, if, it, if it eventually does come to pass... First of all, will it be the government, and will the no. government trust it? No. Because it's wireless, and you can tap into it. Because it's wireless. Yeah, yeah, yeah the government would never go wireless entirely. Yeah. And if they did, it would be on an algorithm and encryption that nobody else in the world would be able to use anyway, So, but they still wouldn't trust it. I mean, they're, they're that paranoid. that That's one of the reasons they became the biggest proponent of fiber is because you can't really tap into fiber the way you could, you know, copper cable. And you can't intercept it the way you can wireless. You can't backfeed fiber. Yeah. And so that, that's why fiber went big with them. But at the end of the day, everyone wants fast, giant bandwidth, and reliable. And yeah. wireless can do two of those things. Like, you know. <laughs> it's you can't do three. We can't always count on. It's yeah. like, it's like those memes that have the. Do... It's like those memes. How, how much radio waves do we really need in a house? Yeah. Well, I, I, that's actually where I'm going to go with the question to, to George on this. It's, we're going to talk about the government. We're going to talk about wireless. We're going to talk about bandwidth and, and waves. The FCC is getting ready to sell off the 600 megahertz spectrum. Um, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. But, you know, that coupled with all the wireless devices you have in a house – Coupled with you know digital TV, you know, every everything we have going on in a home, is there a reason that these folks are doing this? Uh, that they're pushing one more thing? I mean, that's a, I mean, not even talking about 720 or 1080p. They're talking like UHD 4K, pushing that amount of information over over some sort of bandwidth. Does that even make sense? It does make sense in the sense that when you talk about wireless like 60 gigahertz or other video transmissions the idea is just like politics it's all local <laughs> and that's what they're really looking for and, and I agree with the Meads that <laughs> let's just put that we out there like the royal we uh, the Meads that it doesn't really work I mean look I've long said run the fly I've long said that it doesn't work that well and that you really don't want to transmit to it uh, or use it in really critical situations but this is an option. 
And this is something that might work because 60 gigahertz will be dedicated to that. It's not 802.11n. It's not on the 2.4 or the 5 gigahertz. It very well may work in some instances for this kind of transmission. Uh, you know, I have hopes for it, but there is something to be said for selling off those lower frequencies or even the uber high ones and making them very niche specific. This is sort of what they were trying to do with wideband and with, um, oh, I can't think of what it was called, but the, the, the sort of muni buy that they were trying to do. WiMAX? WiMAX, thank you. Yeah. I completely just lost that name. I'm um, not surprised. But, it didn't go very far. Yeah, it didn't go very far. I think it was in Philadelphia, not it, it stayed. Yeah, it was it was in Philly. That was pretty <laughs> much it. But no, so there's something to it. And for me, saying that, I, from what I've seen of the demonstrations of it, and we've used it in the live environment once or twice, it was really more of a gimmick, so it wasn't we were relying on it. And if it died, we just went to hardwire. Yeah. But it it, it has potential over the long run, over anything else we've seen so far. But, George, if yeah. you're saying it's, it's best for, like, a niche, little, tiny, <clears throat> certain situations, do you really think it's going to be something that's economically feasible for a company to stake their business on? I mean, here's hoping this Silicon Image Wireless has other products that they can rely <laughs> on when the 12 yeah. of these that get sold get sold. Yeah, they, well, have, a, they have a DVR business. Never underestimate... <laughs> the Sorry. power of convenience uh, or death. Because if I don't have to wire my house, or if I don't have to run new wires, and it will go far enough that it says, I don't need to put wires in the walls and this will solve it, I will use it. Or at least try it before it, like yes. Don and Harry said, you know, starts having yeah. dropouts. You know, I mean, again, it's not the be-all and end-all, as you said, and we all know. Hard wire, whether it's fiber, or copper, whatever, is better than anything. It's the most reliable, and that's why the live industry almost never uses any kind of off-air transmission scheme because we want it to be dead solid, and we know wire will do it. We've just gotten away from copper and gone to fiber, maybe barely, <laughs> in the live events uh, world. So, yeah, it, again, I do think it has really good potential. It has to come down just like 4K. You have to bring your price down to a usable rate, but... I'm willing to try it. Well, and that's the other thing is is fiber is, as much as the government uses it, the fiber has still not reached a point where it makes sense in some jobs. There are some jobs where your distance is going to reach as X amount of point where after so many re, uh, repeaters or, or the distance limitation is the, is such that fiber begins to make economic sense. Mm. Government aside, because I, I get the whole the security thing. Um but government aside, you're talking about education, you're talking about a Fortune 500 company, unless they are as paranoid, and there are some that are, you know, Apple or a law firm or something like that, um, where, you know, fiber simply doesn't make economic sense yet. There will come a time, though, when it does, you know. Uh, at least I hope there will, because I like it. Well, look at also, like, the, the whole wanting to transmit video and presentations wirelessly to a projector. Mm -hmm. A lot of that stuff isn't really great, and it relies on the 802.something spectrum and standard. This is a new standard that could also not just be in the home, but could then sort of merge into the commercial world with that kind of thing. Well, And some of that stuff is, is smoke and mirrors, right? Some of that stuff is not true wireless. It's true. Well, it's over the network, right? And so you're, right. you're talking to the projector through a piece of proprietary software that's in the computer, and it's, yeah. you know, the, the, so it's, it's kind of sort of wireless, but not really. So... All right, let's move on and talk about screens. <laughs> uh, one of the things that um, in, in dealing with education and, and working for a college, you, you deal on a weekly, on a yearly basis at least, um, is you, know, you take old projectors out, you put new projectors in. And so this shake piece by... All about. Huh? And you shake them all about. Yeah, they're very nice. Uh, <laughs> so this piece by Commercial Integrator kind of grabbed me, and, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. So I'm going to ask people smarter than me, uh, which is you three, by the way. Um, <laughs> there are more people than that smarter than me, but you three happen to be the one that said yes. Um, <laughs> so here's, here's the premise. When you refresh or when you take out your projectors uh, and you put in new ones, you should also at least consider, if not do uh, switch out your, your screens, um, depending on, on your refresh cycle. And uh, every company is different and every, every college is different. Uh, Lewis and Clark, the company I, the college I work for, we have an eight-year refresh cycle. 
Uh, I know my buddy Matt Silverman, who used to work for George Mason, they had a five-year refresh cycle. Regardless of how long your, your, your cycle is, Looking at your screen kind of makes sense uh, in, in some way, shape, or form because there can be tears and there can be, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, I know I've talked with Draper before about, um, you know, the electric screens and how the, the materials, you know, after, you know, 10 or 15 years, they start exuding some sort of, of uh, material and you have to clean that off and such. Uh, so, Harry, we'll start with you on this one. Um, should you consider? And, and if so, you know, what's what's the criteria of considering re refreshing your screens as well as refreshing your uh, your your projectors. Well, one of the biggest things we run into is aspect ratio wrongness. Mm, yeah. Okay. You colleges <laughs> love square screens for some reason, and we've had to replace a ton of square screens. They're not square. They're four by three. <laughs> No. <laughs> no, square. No. no, ten foot by ten foot, ready for the overhead. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um. So we so we do a ton of that. We take a lot of four by three screens and make them sixteen by nine. And a lot of times we will just do the roller in fabric. Um. And it and it depends on the type of screen. If it's one that that's going to be relatively easy, or it's going to be a much bigger pain in the butt to fix the case than it is to just pull the roller out and put a new roller in, then we'll go with a new roller and uh, and material, and uh, and upgrade update the screen that way and keep uh, keep the box in the ceiling, especially if it's a uh, plastered in uh, screen. Is that is that more? I mean, but, this might be a silly question, but that's more economically uh, advantageous just to take out the the roller than it is to replace the whole thing. Yes, because in general, with a a normal box screen, you can do a roller pretty quick, a couple hours. Whereas if you've if you've got one that's cut into the drywall, mm -hmm. and now you've got to get electrician involved, or you've got to have an electrical license, which I do. Or <laughs> you've got to um, top that, Mister. I'm going to get my CTSD. Yeah, uh, um, you're, you're way, you're yeah, never. Or uh, or you're pretty. Keep going. <laughs> or you need to get um, you need to cut into the drywall. You need the box is inevitably going to be different shape and and size. So you're going to have to have somebody who can finish drywall. Now you've got to finish drywall. Now you've got to paint. And you can't just paint the little area that's right there. You've got to paint the whole ceiling or the whole section. And it just, you can add days to a job having to redo a screen if, if you can't just redo the roller and fabric. Let me ask this real quick. Can you, can you redo the roller fabric and the motor? Uh, because sometimes, yes. let's be honest, because sometimes the motor is also the first thing that goes. Yes. Um, the way the constructions of the construction of the screens goes, um, sometimes the motor is hanging out on the uh, on the left side, outside the uh, the roller. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, it's actually inside the roller. Mm. So when you when you take it off, there's this rubber thingy. stopper thingy inside it that is what grabs the roller and actually turns it. And the the motor itself is a foot and a half long and cylindrical about an inch and a half around and that's what actually turns the roller so once you've got the roller off yeah it's easy to replace the motor okay uh don how do you convince uh clients that oh you know the screen's old so just take it down i've got a whiteboard up here that's fine <laughs> how do you convince them that a whiteboard or the drywall is not fine um, I haven't had to convince a ton of them. I mean, granted, unlike CCS and unlike your situation in college there, um, NetAV hasn't done a ton of schools. Mm -hmm. We mainly work in corporate and government. Most of them realize that unless it's a whiteboard designed to also be a screen, and those are only good in some situations, that they, they, they understand they need a screen. Um, and, and, and nine times out of ten, most of our customers, we replace a lot of fabric and roller or fabric roller um, engine, so to speak. Yeah. We, we do a lot of those 
in refurbs and 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 like you're saying with the life cycle we up, we refresh the screens and it's not always just aspect ratio either it's screen fabric uh, there are still consultants out there respecting glass beaded screen I, we quit Whoa. selling glass beaded screens when i started in the industry back when and now matt white is even kind of passe there are so many better screens better technologies i mean it's ridiculous the amount of technology that's involved in a piece of white fabric hanging in the front of the room. But there are so many for different types of projectors, for different types of environments, video conferencing versus data versus whatever. The gain that they can get off of these screens by going gray or black or what have you. I mean, we, we actually had someone from Draper at Daylight, one of the Ds, into our company not too long ago. And we were getting so detailed in so much of the technology of the screen fabrics available that the one guy in the room that came into our industry from a different industry was like, wow, you all are just complete geeks. Like, <laughs> there's way too much math and thought involved in just hang a thing up there and shine on it. But by having all that information, we can then go to our customer and say, look, you've got this big window right here on the side, and you've got this kind of light that your architect insists you have to have, so you're going to need an ambient light rejecting screen we can't put in a glass beaded or a matte white. Yeah. We want to go with one of the gray or one of the black, the spectra screens that, that reject the ambient light and give you a better image with lower, you know. We can't put in a glass beaded screen because the blood stains from our slit wrists won't allow it. <laughs> We're a little more diplomatic than that. Yes. But <laughs> suffice to say, it, you know, once you understand all the different technologies out there with the screens, <clears throat> And, you know, contact whatever flavor screen you prefer as a company and ask them to educate you because it, it'll blow your mind how much detailed crap there is about the stupid fabric in front of the room. But once you know all that stupid crap, it actually sells it for you. You just have to explain to your customer, look, this is going to give you the best image. And, and you can even sometimes do a side-by-side. -side. The guys from, what is it, Screen Innovations, they invented the Black Diamond yeah. uh, ambient light rejection. They have a great demo where they show a projector on a piece of drywall, and then they just lift up a little piece of their screen in front of it and just show you the difference. And anybody can do that kind of demo, just get a piece of real screen fabric, shine onto the wall, shine onto the whiteboard, and then show them the difference. It sells itself. Yeah. We upsell to interactive whiteboards if they insist on whiteboards. Mm. Well, yeah. That's why you're evil. There you go. <laughs> I interactive whiteboards. I personally am not a big fan, but we sell the hell out of them. Yeah, I'm not a fan either, but we do too. Unfortunately, people want them. And that's the thing that that still, that still cracks me up. There are, and there are there are some people who are it's it's like a religion, a religious fight, I guess. There are some people who are absolutely in love with them, and there are some people who are absolutely opposed to them. And you'll find both on any college. There's, there's a particular company that's got some heavy duty Kool Aid. <laughs> are they from Canada? Yes. Do yes. they think they're smart? <laughs> They'd like to think so. Okay. All right. Uh, George, screens, mm. how important are they uh, when it comes to, I mean, Dawn just gave us a very good dissertation. Uh, how important are they um, when it comes to the projection image? Well, I think Don and Harry both said it very well. I mean, it's very important. And it, the, the dramatic difference, the, just that example of the drywall, even with a titanium white paint on it versus the screen square being shown, uh, it's it really is. It's sort of like the old days, the uh, HD ads, where they showed you that sort of fuzzy picture, which was SD, and then that little window of HD that they would just show you how much you're missing. It really is true. Even down to when the, uh, Don mentioned the bead the beaded glass. In certain situations, that kind of screen will be a remarkable difference. Um, you know, it's it's sort of akin that these supposed low-tech provisions in our business are really important. Um, look, I just did a show with uh, the guys from Calzone Cage for the Live Life. There's a low-tech or a supposed low-tech product that protects high-tech gear, as, as Joe likes to say, but it, there's a lot to it. There are so many different nuances to make that work and to make a case the perfect case so that, it, one, it looks good, but also protects it and lasts forever. It's the same thing with a screen. You choose the right one, you're not replacing it for a good long time. Yeah. I mean, schools are different, you know. There's abuse, 
there's misuse. No, <laughs> no, never. They, they would uh, never write on a screen with a dry erase marker. No, 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 because they couldn't tell the difference between exactly. It's white, but What's... um, it doesn't do that. Same thing with a permanent sharpie, right? Yeah, those go on whiteboards. Sure, it does. You just take them off. <laughs> but and in all seriousness, yeah. I really don't think I can say much more than Dawn said. It is really true. You need to have a proper screen if you're going to go the projection route, uh, just like you would need a proper room and the, the right lighting to make sure that you're not washing it out. This low-tech thing, this is what keeps the daylights and the... the um, why am I... Drapers. Um, yeah, Drapers. exactly. The drapers and all the rest uh, in business because they are necessary. It's not just this you know, accessory that you should have if you can afford it. It really is required. Uh, all right, guys. Honestly, in, yes. in the scheme of, I'm um, sorry, in, in the scheme of a boardroom or a classroom or something where you're putting in all this technology, what is a couple of hundred dollars for a good quality screen? In in the scheme of things, mm-hmm. no, no, you're you know, right. The project we're working on, it's a 1.5 million dollar AV build. What's the cost of a projection screen? I mean, minuscule. It, it's worth it. Minuscule, and and it'll make a, an incredible difference. First of all, if you don't put it in, because then your ten or fifteen thousand dollar projector won't ne- look nearly as good as it possibly could. So, uh, we're going to hit one more story, and then we're going to do something I've been wanting to do for a while, which is talk to Harry and Don um, about them. Um, uh, from DigitalTrends.com, U.S. households are leaving HBO, regardless of how many seasons of of Game of Thrones they have left. Um, and whatever else they've got left. Um, according to this, this article, they're, they're referring to subscription video on demand. So they're, they're lumping in Netflix and, and Hulu and, um, and Amazon Prime. But let's be honest here, Netflix is the 500-pound gorilla. Um, has risen 23% in the last two years. At the same time, subscriptions to premium channels, i.e. HBO, Cinemax, Showtime, Stars, and the like, has fallen by 38%. Um, as someone who is actively pursuing, um, me and my buddy Michael uh, Drainer, who has been on this show a number of times, uh, he works for, uh, for Sennheiser. He's a uh, regional um, uh, integration market rep. Uh, we, he and I are kind of, uh, it's a competition, but it's also a, a friendly uh, helping each other. We're both actively trying to cut the cord, right? Uh, he and I are, are, are looking at different... Um, antennas and, and he and I live at different elevations so I've got different issues than he does but the once we get it in the house the distribution the distribution we're getting uh, we're, we're helping each other with uh, that's, we're looking at arrow and seeing if they're anywhere near st. Louis and they're not uh, but looking at you know Netflix and the video on demand stuff that's for residential though right and and there are definitely impacts and, and there are definitely um, uh, things that are they're going to affect how we design AV systems, because instead of a cable box or instead of a cable uh, DVR, we're going to have to integrate things of that nature, uh, other things. But when it comes to corporate AV and pro AV, I'm going to ask all three of you both questions here. Uh, George, we'll start with you. Whether it's pro or whether it's residential, what kind of impact is this going to have? The fact that we are moving, we mentioned at the very beginning of the show, we are moving to a cloud-based system for the content. Uh, we are moving to a, a not wireless, but just you know everything's going over IP. Um, how is that going to impact the types of, of products that we put in and how we integrate these systems? Well, I think it has a lot of effect. Um, I think we're going to see less and less of the hardware. As we said at the top of the show, um, you're going to see much smaller generically made equipment that's going to run the software and the services that we want. That being said, I have to question the article because a couple of things came up in my head. Are people going away from HBO and the other on-demand subscription services Mm -hmm. because they don't like HBO or because they're affiliated with cable and it's the extra cost? And and whether they're cord-cutting or not, are they Mm -hmm. replacing one with the other? The article sort of dances around this and says maybe, maybe not, but I wonder if that's what it is. And think about it. Your cable bill... You get the basic cable. If you want the sports channels, that's a tier two thing for some of the sports channels. You want HBO and Showtime, that's a tier three, and they mix in some of the kid channels and those upper ones so that if you're a parent, you have to get them. I didn't want them, but I have them, right? That kind of silly stuff. And that, I think, is driving a lot of people away, saying, fine, I'll get basic cable or tier two, and then I'm going to go with Netflix 
the MIUI or some other mm -hmm. uh, box that I have it already installed in. And that may be showing what is happening with that drive. Showtime and that quirk, I'm not sure, but I know Showtime does offer a Showtime to go and some other services that people like. Well, so does, so does HBO, except for the fact that you have to be a subscriber to the cable right. version <clears throat> of that. So right. um, I, I think some people are, are doing the uh, the cord cutting and then, oh, you know what, if I want you know, uh, Boardwalk Empire, I'll just buy right. it, you know, and then yeah. uh, you know, offset the cost of the fact that I'm not paying for HBO for a year. So Right. So look, I'm in the process of cord cutting. I'm down to basic cable. I have two off-air antennas. I do live in the New York City metro area, so I get a lot. Uh, and I'm looking at just going up to, unfortunately, my cable company and getting their really good internet package, which is still a third of what it costs me to get TV from them. Yeah. And then streaming my Netflix and then my server, which thinks I'm in Minnesota, Minnesota so I can watch the Rangers from here. But <laughs> did I say that on air? No, you didn't. Okay. It was just between you and I. Not it was just okay. between, just <laughs> between um, you and I. But, you know, there, therein lies the rub. And if you really don't want to do that, you have to stick with the cable guys. But I think you're going to see more of that, even from the cable people. You're going to see smaller boxes that do more, that are generic. Please make them not the Scientific Atlanta boxes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. All of us. Uh, by the way, you're going to have to show me how to do that because I need to have it say that I'm in Essex, England, so I can watch BBC stream. So uh, um, That's probably not so difficult. I know a lot of people who do that. Actually. Okay. Uh, Don. Now that we're talking, to, we're done talking about illegal activities. Uh, what? Uh, Hello, NSA. Yes. Um, how how big of an impact? What will this, what will this? How the, how will this impact um, uh, the industry, both residential and pro? If it comes to pass, it could be a major sea change in how broadcast happens and how TV and and content happens. But the biggest problem is the one that Harry and I have been debating about, and the reason that we don't subscribe to Netflix or Amazon Prime or anything like that at the moment, and it's because we're waiting for the one ring to rule them all. You can't get all the content on Netflix True. or on Prime or on Hulu or on whatever. So you either have to subscribe to 50 different services to stream it or just keep Dish, just keep DirecTV, just keep, God forbid, cable, whatever you have, and watch stuff there. Now, I mean, we still have satellite, and we have HBO that we pay for through the satellite, but with that, then we get to watch HBO Go, and Harry sat on the plane to, you know, Missouri a couple weeks ago and watched HBO stuff on the plane with Wi-Fi through HBO Go. That's great. Uh, I don't know that immediately we're going to see people just being able to buy HBO Go without the system. And it, it, you know, it depends who's going to win the war for content. I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where everybody's going to have everything. And until we get to a point where more people have everything, so that it's similar to, it doesn't matter if you have Comcast or Dish Network, you can still get whatever channel you want to watch. Yeah. You know, until it gets to the point where it doesn't matter if you have Prime or it doesn't matter if you have Hulu or Netflix, you can get what you want to watch. We're, we're not there yet. So some of us aren't cutting our cords just yet. Harry, I'm going to throw you a curveball here. Uh, one of the announcements from CES that kind of threw me for a loop, kind of came out of left field, was the WWE. And if you're not familiar with the WWE, is it's World Wrestling Entertainment. Mm -hmm. They announced their 24-hour day, seven day a week, all wrestling, all the time, digital online channel. So, if you are of the ilk that like men and or women in spandex. Uh, wrestling around the, with each other and basically testosterone-laden soap operas. Um, is that the sign of the future? Is that plus coupled with this whole 23 and 38% switch in, in, in subscribers? Uh, is that the wave of the future? Or is, you know, like, like Don said, not everybody, you have to have one, uh, it, it would be nice to have one, uh, rep repository that has all the content that everybody wants. I was sitting here trying to figure out how I was going to do a WWE interview <laughs> back at you. I decided nice. to keep it normal. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um. Anyway, I mean, I have a feather bow in the room. If you want me to Very nice. 
what you gonna do, brother? Um, <laughs> Just smell what so... Harry's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta figure out what dinner's gonna be later. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think yeah, there. If the WWE doesn't do a web-based subscription for their new channel, they're dumb. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think the two different... Yes, you are getting a rise. The, the, the two, I, I'm with you that the two different numbers are two different things of the percentage of households dropping cable versus Netflix gain in market share. <clears throat> um, you... There's a lot of people that are that are exactly like you said, cutting the cord and deciding they can do without and and things like that. And also the economy still sucks. Yes. So stop getting premium channels and then you can save twenty bucks a month on your on your bill and you can afford to eat this month. <laughs> so So there, there's that. I mean, the thing that's that kind of amused me a little bit that sort of ties in with this and the whole cutting the cord thing was the Weather Channel and DirecTV they recently. They just had a divorce. Yeah. The Weather Channel is no longer on DirecTV, and boy are they, boy is Weather Channel pissed. <laughs> Okay, you go to their website and they're all about, oh, DirecTV's trying to control the weather. It's like, no, they're trying to stop all of your damn reality shows instead of actually <laughs> showing the weather. Yes. And it, and they've replaced them with a channel that shows the weather. It, it is a unique and, concept, yes. Isn't yeah. that weather.com? Just asking. Weather.com is the weather is channel. Is the weather channel. Yes, I know right. that thing. Isn't that where everybody goes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you go online to get your weather now. Yeah. Okay, you don't... It, it's not, oh, there's a storm coming. Better turn on Weather Channel and find out what they named it this week. Oh, don't get me started. Um, oh, God, that. Yeah, don't get me started either. The, uh... But anyway, so... Harry. <laughs> Um, so yes, I mean, yes, there is going to be the on-demand market is going to keep growing and it is, it, it is what it is. There are more people who are going to keep, hello, AV dog too. Um, he wanted in. All right. <laughs> the, uh, the on-demand market is going to keep growing and with that, people are going to, to be cutting the, cutting the cable cord and they're also going to be backing down just for sheer economics sake yeah. right now. No, that makes sense. That makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, all right, this is something I've wanted to do for quite a while. Um, ever since, honestly, I, I met Dawn and, and Harry. Uh, so we're going to take five, ten minutes here, and it, you two are are unique from from what I've I've met in the industry. George's wife is a is a fabulous cook, um, not in the industry. My wife uh, is a is a fabulous cook, and she also uh, works at a a family-owned restaurant here in the, in the St. Louis area, also not in the AV industry. You two, however, have a unique uh, situation here. So, uh, first, and, and Don will let you do this because, well, let's be honest, uh, you could probably do it a little bit more romantically and eloquently than Harry can. Uh, how did you two meet, and how did you two become uh, AV Don and Mr. AV Don? Well, we didn't meet through AV. That's, that's a couple of different stories. <laughs> We didn't meet through AV. We actually met. I was, I grew up in Pittsburgh, and I was dating a fellow who played drums in a Scottish bagpipe band. And through going to different events, became fans of a band called Seven Nations. They're a Celtic rock band. Mm -hmm. So think rock band with bagpipes, basically. Um, and we had made plans to go to Richmond, Virginia, to see Seven Nations play at uh, Highland Games there. And a week before that happened, uh, Jamie and I broke up, and all of our mutual friends said, forget him, you're still going with us to Richmond. So I went to Richmond, and while I was there, my friend Beth and her friend Bob kept ditching this one and I together because he was single and I was newly single, and they thought we'd be a keen pair. So uh, we kept getting ditched together the whole weekend, 
um, kind of hit it off, I guess. I was a little not interested at the time because men were evil bastards since <laughs> I'd just broken up. Um, and, you know, next I, thing... You I know, had to break through the Alanis haze. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of Alanis. It was the 90s. Yeah. Um, but after a lot of long-distance emailing in the AOL days and uh, chat-rooming in the AOL days, because that's what we had, that was the Internet back then, um, he convinced me to come to Maryland, and so I did. Wow. Sort of how we met. Yeah. All right, Harry, how did either, how did both of you actually, how did both of you get involved in AV? I guess you can start since you technically were in before me. No, technically about it. Anyway, um, I started working fresh out of high school at a company called Advanced Video Systems, and I was a film transfer tech. This was boring as crap. I did not last long because you had to watch all of everybody's stupid home videos. I actually went and did heating and air conditioning residential heating and air conditioning for like four years, five years. And that's where I learned my electrical and all of my building information and how buildings are put together and how to, to do all of those things, which has served me well in the AV industry in order because people will go, I can't run a cable there. I'm like, well, I can. <laughs> I went back to advanced video and at that time they had enough uh, integration to be able to support someone most of the time and eventually just worked my way up from there. I started out cable pulling and he handed me a book that, that was an audio book. Here, learn about speakers and audio and stuff. I'm like, okay, so I read the book about speakers and audio and stuff. No, well, and, and Don, one of the things that makes, well, I think it doesn't make you guys unique, but it's it, interesting at least, um, the fact that at one time you two worked for the same company. Yes, and that's actually how I got into the AV world. Um, when I got out of college, I was a fantastic liberal arts major, English and dance, woohoo! And we all know what English and dance majors have for career paths, which is to say, not much. Um, so once Harry convinced me to come down to Maryland, I got a job for an advertising agency. Um, I'd worked for computer consulting on campus when I was in college and taught myself how to write HTML back in the mid-90s before every five-year-old could create a web page. Yeah. And uh, so when I moved down here, I got hired by this ad agency that was looking for a creative person for their marketing and advertising, but that also knew the technical HTML and coding type end. Um, I worked there for almost a year, and it was a horrific commute. And while it was a very cool job, and I got a lot of skills that I use today from it, it was just a not happy place to work. So this one said, uh, I tell you what, I'll support you until you find something better. Just quit that job. And I quit that job. And his former boss at Advanced Video was looking for a web page at the time, again, before every five-year-old could do web pages. So he hired me sort of freelance to do the company's first web page and blossomed from there. I started working there as sort of a, an administrative assistant, paper photocopier, and web web designer. And uh, then their salesman didn't show up, and so I started doing sales and started learning more about the technology. And next thing you know, I'm taking a CTS, and I'm, I'm an AV person. Yeah. What, uh, real quickly, and, and we'll, we'll wrap this up with this question. What is one thing, or eh, more than one thing, What, but what is, what's something that makes your guys' house and an AV home, or, or, or you can you can tell that an AV couple lives here. Yes. <laughs> okay. Besides the group station. Thank you, Daddy. <laughs> yes, you have a group station. Very nice. <laughs> and the forty-two inch that goes with it. Um, I'd say it's the in instead of having a home entertainment center, we've got a and I mean, it's old. We've got a 50-inch uh, Pioneer PDP-503, I think, from 2005 on the wall by itself. And then over in the other corner is the rack. I've got a, a wooden, uh, a, a fabulous wood grain rack 
in the corner that has the actual equipment that we use, the the DirecTV receiver and the, uh, the, the audio receiver and that sort of stuff, all running through an AMX system. Before the engineer goes into every piece of equipment in our rack, I think that's the key is unlike a lot of people that have their, you know, home theater, if they're a hobbyist, they get their stuff from Best Buy and they, you know, put their Arduinos in and, and whatever their home cooked control system might be. Most of our stuff is not consumer or even prosumer. We have a lot of professional stuff hanging on the wall and, you know, I won a value group station from, yeah. from a Twitter contest. Yay. You know, I won, I won this great LG screen. I'm looking at us on at an Almo show a few years ago, and actually Harry won that one at an Almo show a few years ago, or, you know, our, our, our only video game system in the house is one we won at Infocom, or, you know, so things that we pick up at work, the, the PDP originally came as a, as a bonus payment when we worked together at ABS or whatever. We, you know, we, we have the professional quality stuff. If we buy AMX stuff off of eBay, like a lot of people do, we know what to do with it, Yeah. as opposed to trying to find someone or hire someone or teach ourselves. We just give it to the engineer over here, and he programs it up with whatever new pieces we have. And we're we're more geeky than the average bear, but it's all pro quality geeky as opposed to prosumer or you know home cooked geeky. My, my Christmas lights are all AMX controlled. Yeah, that's on timers. Cool. Uh, real quickly before we get out of here, uh, George, I'll have to make fun of you some other time because we're running out of time. Uh, <laughs> because of your your article, I will put a link to George's article on the on the show note. Uh, the one consumer electronics market Sony still dominates. Prison. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just love this article because it makes fun of Sony. Apparently, Sony has this see-through uh, AM/FM analog radio, and you can't hide things uh, in prison. So, there you go. Sony's number one uh, at the pokey. So, uh, all right, y'all. Uh, thank you so much for listening to AV Week. With us has been the fabulous AV couple. Uh, AV Dawn and Mr. AV Dawn. Uh, Dawn, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AV Dawn uh, or the company at net, N-E-T underscore AV. The company website is N-E-T hyphen AV.com, net AV, and we do government and corporate work here in the D.C. area and beyond. And beyond. So look for me there. Uh, Mr. And I still haven't gotten the AV Dawn website updated. I'm working on it, I, I swear. I Didn't you say that last time? <laughs> I did say that last time, but it was only like two weeks ago. Yeah, Cut me a break, I've been sick. Says, says the guy <laughs> who has a Canadian do, does his website. All right. Um, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Harry, uh, where can people find you? Well, Twitter is at Mr. AV Dawn because she got to Twitter first. Yeah. <laughs> That's and true. I use it about a fraction of what she actually uses it so yeah but i want a group station so whatever <laughs> um uh at work it's uh ccs uh presentation systems mid-atlantic um where i'm their main engineer and uh i guess that's about it they facebook whatever look for me all right and also thank you uh I'll, I'll thank Vadio and, and, and Kelly Perkins on behalf of the Meads because you're watching them right now on a, and listening to them on a on a group station that, that Miss uh, Miss Dawn won. So, uh, all right, George, uh, where can people find you? <laughs> uh, I am part of AV Nation, obviously, and World Stage. Uh, but my writings and other articles can be found at Commercial Integrator and Corporate Tech Decisions, as well as on the AV Nation and Red Band blogs. Yep. And if it's social, it's Tucker Twos. Indeed. Uh, don't follow me or just look for me. Go to the website. The website is, is actually turning out to be very nice. Uh, Mr. Matt Scott's done a fabulous job with it, along with George and, and some other folks. So go by the website if you would, please. Avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. George mentioned the fact that he did a live life this past week. Uh, it has posted and is on the website. We did an EdTech, uh, the January version of that Um so that is on the website as well. So go by the website and if AV you would. AV Social please. will be coming soon. AV Social will mm -hmm. be coming soon. Uh, Steve Greenblatt, my cohort for uh, for control, uh, uh, state of control, is somewhere on a hiatus somewhere. So we'll get another one up probably in February. Uh, There's a new Pico uh, next week. Pico next week? Yeah, new no Pico projections next week. Yep. 
Uh, and uh, real quickly, and I'm not going to take a whole lot of time with this because I'm, I'm going to write a blog post about this. Uh, I've worked at, at Lewis and Clark Community College, which is a fine community college for the last seven and a half years. And um, I've had an opportunity and uh, there to learn more and more about the industry. And because of that opportunity, I have been given another opportunity. So starting Monday, I will be joining the ranks of the unwashed masses of integrators uh, in the St. Louis area. So uh, I'll be a control programmer and a design engineer for a company called Modern Communications uh, out of Fenton, Missouri, which is the same, you know, it's St. Louis folks, you know, it's, it's, it's all St. Louis. So uh, I am leaving education. I'm no longer a technology manager, I guess. I, I have to re- uh, resign from the technology managers council. Uh, but we'll still be doing the ed tech. We'll still be doing AV Nation. Uh, actually, hopefully, it'll it'll allow me uh, a little bit more margin to do some more. Uh, so who knows? So stay tuned to this. Uh, and like I said, I'll, I'll write a, a fuller blog post on it. So good things. Absolutely good things. Uh, changes uh, are on their way. And it's, I think it's good. So uh, thanks so much for listening. And thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week.